Hi there, and welcome to this uh, new podcast. And with me today is Anuj Ashar. And we're going to discuss in this uh, podcast about commercializing artificial intelligence, which probably one of the biggest hot topics in, in business now and no doubt into the future about artificial intelligence. We've all heard of chat GBT and uh, all the um, interesting elements that it's raising up. So uh, Anush is, was named recently as one of the top three global young innovators and also UK Leicestershire Live University innovation winner. And Anush Ashar is a serial decorated tech entrepreneur and currently the CEO of the artificial intelligence startup uh, Beta Booster. His experience ranges from launching fintech companies, working with Innovate UK and the United Nations to build worldwide sustainable businesses, and has also spent some time in venture capital. In 2022, Anush graduated with first-class honours in aerospace engineering from the University of Leicester and currently sits on the Leicestershire Local Economic Partnership Youth Advisory Board, where he uses his passion for technology to support more growing businesses and young entrepreneurs. Anush, you've achieved so much in such a short space of time. <laughs> you look, clearly, you look, you're look you young. So, I mean, that's amazing stuff. No, thank you so much. I mean, I started my first company in my first year at university, and it kind of just exploded from there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I'm just astonished by all, all the things you've achieved and done in such a short space of time. So thanks for joining me. I really appreciate this. And it's a pleasure to have you um, on that part of the podcast series. And I'm sure people will be looking forward to hearing from you. No, I mean, thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to it. Good. Well, I mean, the topic of this um, podcast is about commercializing artificial intelligence. So my first question really is, what are, what are the key developments in AI for entrepreneurs and business? Yes, yeah, a great question. Um, but to first kind of like address that, I think it would be really good to talk about what artificial intelligence actually is. Um, and essentially, it is an algorithm or a system that mimics human behavior using data. Mm -hmm. um, and the more data it has, the better it becomes. So artificial intelligence has been around essentially forever, but it's only really come to light recently. Mm -hmm. I think the one that everyone knows about is autopilot. Mm -hmm. So if you're on a plane, normally there's no pilot flying it most of the time. And that's been there for decades That's everyone knows about autopilot yeah. yeah i mean everyone knows about autopilot but no one knows it's actually artificial intelligence so how that works is the plane has various number of sensors and parameters and using conditions it can adjust its winglets to be able to fly in certain directions mm -hmm. and that's essentially what artificial intelligence is as a whole and how we've kind of developed that recently is into so many different branches, but all sticking to that main principle of taking in data and being able to produce human-like outputs. Mm -hmm. So I think a few examples of that could be, well, one that we use at Beta Booster is natural language processing. So the ability to actually perform as if a human would by taking in different inputs. So natural language processing, like we mentioned at the start, ChatGPT is massive at the moment. And what that is, is NLP. So based on a few different inputs, a system will assess what has been said 
and respond to it as if it were a human, um, mm. but with a much higher level of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another one that's quite good at the moment would be predictive analysis. So uh, predictive analysis is where a model can predict what's going to happen based on different inputs in the past. So a good example would be the stock exchange. Mm. Um, I've got a good friend who owns a company called Predictivar. And what they do is based on the stock market, based on what stocks are trading at, their artificial intelligence will say this stock is going to go to X amount or this stock is going to short or these are the recommended trades that need to be made. Um, And based on that, they're able to outperform at FTSE 100, they're outperforming the S&P 500. And these aren't on small margins as well. These are on massive, massive scales with massive, massive implications for traders. Mm. Um, I mean, just, I'm, I can, you know, the, the, the implications are running away in my mind already. So that's amazing, <laughs> but also that it has demonstrable evidence of its performance and that it's, you know, as you say, it's the the, the data is there to back it up that is outperforming um, other stocks and uh, other investments. So fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many different applications that are under development still. Um, I think more recently, there's been an emphasis on art. So putting in a few key words, and this whole system will produce artwork that mimics exactly what you're asking it for. Mm. So there's so many different applications that are being done. And I could sit here for hours and just talk about the different ones. But I think the key developments are still under development, I guess. And AI is only getting better with the more data that we receive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how how does um, a business like access AI? Because I think that's probably the biggest mystery to most entrepreneurs and most business people is how how do I get access to it? Yes, yeah, so there's loads of different types of AI and it kind of depends on what the business is doing or what the use case will be. Mm-hmm. So for us at Beta Booster, what we're doing are two different things. The first one is we're using APIs, which plug directly into our software. Um, And what that is, is like a license to be able to use things like ChatGPT. We're able to use GPT because we pay a sort of monthly fee and just plug it into our system. But the other thing that we're doing is creating artificial intelligence from scratch. So we're working with leading university researchers um, and PhD experts to actually look at the different applications that we need. Mm-hmm. So at Beta Booster, what we do is take in technical requirements from non-technical clients. Um, and the system will use non-technical responses to automatically produce a brief by saying the client needs X work because of X inputs. Mm. Um, this doesn't exist anywhere. So <laughs> when we first started it, it was like, oh, what do we do? Mm. Um, and based on that, I thought, okay, we need to create this from scratch. So what you does that what? look like? I mean, I I find that so interesting because you know how how many industries are there where the the language is impenetrable? And I'm thinking of solicitors, lawyers, legal um, matters, accountants, where it's it's not easy for the average person to understand all the complex terminology and it's it's like some industries have a 
um, a language of their own. I mean, funnily enough, one of my previous guests, uh, Ken Validi, he's uh, released a book called The Startup Lexicon, where it's actually a book that helps corporate managers understand what the words that entrepreneurs use, what they mean, you know, <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. And also for entrepreneurs to understand corporate terminology that they wouldn't otherwise have encountered. And yeah, it's a fascinating point that you're making that in you know, using this artificial intelligence, you can better communicate to the client and to the customer. Absolutely. I mean, when we well, when first starting Beta Booster, we wanted to target uh, building technology at SMEs and non-technical clients. Mm. So people that didn't know what they didn't know. Mm. Um, and we had to design a system that could understand exactly what they're putting in ask certain questions and then produce an output that developers could understand. Mm. So it's about taking one sort of input, going through a whole system to translate that into a technical requirements and then sending that out to people who can understand it and know what to do with it. Mm, absolutely. I mean, this. I think we're moving quite nicely here towards my second question, which was going to be about some of what do you see as some of the commercial applications of AI and you've, you've obviously used some really nice examples already. I was wondering, do you have any other thoughts on commercial applications of AI? Yeah, I mean, there's different ways that can be used. So either it's internally, so how you demonstrate your own press processes as a company, mm. um, which is what we're doing by the way again. Um, so we're taking in those requirements and we're building a technical specification, which the client ultimately doesn't see. But there are also the external elements, so client-facing sides, um, and that could include things like chatbots, um, chatbots is, chat, chatbots. Yeah, chatbots. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, chatbots. No, exactly, yeah. I was, I was thinking, you know, how um, chatbots are increasingly being used as almost like an intermediary between the customer and customer service staff yeah. so it's almost like they are the first line that you deal with you deal with a chatbot before you get through to a human being for instance so it's it's a very interesting i mean i wonder how people respond to that i mean i sometimes i know i'm talking to a chatbot but it just feels so realistic that you kind of forget the only thing that tells me it's a chatbot is that the reply is instant you know yeah. and um yeah I mean, I think chatbots have still got a long way to go before they feel fully natural. But mm. I don't know if that's a biased point of view because you can kind of tell what an artificial response is. Um, but I think chatbots at the moment have taken over a lot of that human element that companies were spending a lot of money on. Mm. Um, and being able to give clients instant, rapid responses that are directly correlated to their query is just so powerful at the moment. Mm. Um, but in terms of other commercial uses, I mean, it's kind of like a tree, artificial intelligence, because things just branch out of each other. Mm. So again, I'm going to link back to ChatGPT, but I know a lot of people who are actually using it for their work. Mm. Um, and that's actually become a problem for universities where yes. lecturers are reading over work. And they don't know who's written it if it's yeah. been done by a chatbot. Was, um, I, I, I heard something recently. I may be wrong about this, but this is this is what I was told, that um, ChatGPT created a CV application that got itself into Harvard Business School. <laughs> so it's yeah. quite, 
fascinating. But I, actually, your point there about um, people using it for work. So, for instance, um, I have a, a friend um, and uh, he shall re remain anonymous, but I have a friend that <laughs> to... So, you know, one of the problems since the pandemic has been email overload. You know, we are getting bucket loads of emails on a daily basis. And he actually uses chat GPT to construct replies. So he will put the email into chat GPT and said, create a polite reply to uh, Mr. X. And it will then read the, the, you paste in the email, it reads it and it constructs a response. And boom, uh, done, you copy and paste and you're out of here. You know, I was just thinking of the, the sheer amount of time saving um, from for businesses. I mean, the, the amount of time we lose de dealing with, with, e with the volume of emails is quite astonishing. And yeah, that's quite a fascinating thing, especially if you've got like um, an artificial intelligence that is built into your business and it knows your business, so it knows what to give as a reply. Absolutely. And I mean, going back to things like that, people can input code. The system can actually identify where there's issues with code. So developers can do instant fixes. They're not sitting there waiting for hours and hours just trying to find problems. But with that being said, there are a few issues with it. So, but I don't, don't mean that as a bad thing. Um, once we link back to university students again, I know people who are using it for dissertations or doing it for coursework, wow. mm. but that actually leads to more opportunities in artificial intelligence detection. So there could be commercial uses in actually being able to detect artificial intelligence. Mm. And you'll get two sides. You'll get the student who's using it to do the work but you'll have a corporation which is using it to check it. Yeah. So again, it becomes a battle of artificial intelligence and even more commercial opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it's a big issue because, um, I mean, let's just take universities as an example. You know, there, there is such a thing as contract cheating where people hire somebody to write their work for them. Um, yes. This this is very hard to detect. I mean, it's possible, the, you know, the human can do it, when you realize certain anomalies that don't make sense but mm -hmm. when it's written by an ai it, it it's it's well it's different but the, i think the interesting thing there is you know we run things through plagiarism checks for instance but how do we run something that's artificially intelligent and and has probably been programmed not to plagiarize it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly the point i mean then you extend that to businesses okay so you know consultancy do you ask the you know can you use the ai to construct a set of options for a client i mean um, it's just um you know the the potential applications are so broad exactly and i mean it guess it links back to what it actually is again and it's mimicking human behavior mm. so artificial intelligence just takes in data to be able to act as if it were a human mm. um and the question is how do you detect that when it's not meant to mimic it when it's actually meant to be a human on the other end yeah and i guess yeah. that's a massive yeah. opportunity one, one of the um, um one of the works that i i published with um some colleagues from the US and from uh, Colombia in um, a couple of years ago now is <clears throat> we we did a test to see if a machine learning algorithm could replicate a human being's literature review 
So, you know, given if, you know, if you, for the, for those of you listening, you'll have to indulge me for a little bit, but very popular now is systematic literature reviews. And normally what happens is, you know, there are thousands and thousands of academic papers out there, um, news reports, everything. So we apply a set of criteria, filter it down, and we usually end up with less than 100 papers that we then build a structured literature review around. Now, you can clearly tell there are potential flaws there because how accurate is, how representative, actually not accurate, but how representative is that set of studies? Because the human being can only process so much information, but the machine learning can process tons of information. And what we actually discovered is, you know, there's a human behind it that's having to inform the machine of, okay, here's the papers that I want you to read. Here's the content, go through them. And then you have to kind of like refine and improve its interpretation. So there's still like a human element. But what we found is that it could replicate what the human did, but um, it wasn't in any way superior. So our conclusion was, you know, I, I know is the, the paper was called, you know, is will uh, machine learning terminate human lit reviews? By the way, I'm a fan of the Terminator. <laughs> 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 and um, the answer would be no. But I, I you know I would imagine and that was machine learning. So as it moves towards artificial intelligence, which is programmed to think like a human, I think it's going to become very interesting uh, how it develops. I mean, I absolutely agree. I think there's just so many different applications at the moment that are being developed. And as data becomes more available, we're only going to see AI getting stronger. Yeah. Well, let me move on to my third question then, which is, um, in what ways might entrepreneurs and businesses go about commercializing AI? Because I imagine that's probably the biggest scary factor, so to speak, for most business people and entrepreneurs is just I don't know much about AI. I don't know how it works. So how how can we go about commercializing it, do you think? Yeah, um, I guess it goes, again, back down to what the core principles of any business are. Mm -hmm. And that's to solve a problem where enough people would be willing to pay for a solution. Um, and with artificial intelligence, it's, again, taking in data to produce very accurate outputs. So I'm going to speak in quite broad terms here, but... Mm -hmm. If there are issues that enough people have um, and it needs a very high-end solution, then that, can't, that can be commercialized. Mm. So to narrow down a little bit, one of the key things I think is going to be very important for AI is medicine mm. um, and actually very rapid healthcare detection. So I was in A&E the other day, not for myself, by the way, luckily. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was speaking to one of the consultants there um, and what he told me was they now, well, they're now trialing out a system that can detect the exact problems with a patient. Mm. So they'll go under one scanner. So the AI is linked to some hardware mm. and it will be able to say, this is the issue, what we think it is. This is what the best course of action would be. And this is how to ultimately save this person's life. Wow. And I think AI is going to have so many different implications mm -hmm. like that, where there's so many different inputs that can be done and so mm -hmm. many different outputs to kind of give a very yeah. accurate response. Uh, and what I'm hoping is that AI can support consultants, support doctors and to make a, a more rapid decision. I mean, uh, in myself, funny enough, I, I was um, I went to A&E in uh, October last uh, year. And the reason it was, you know, 
something was happening that was not natural. <laughs> and um, but you know, a battery of tests and months later, it's only literally in the last week I've I've had a solution, well, a diagnosis and a solution. And you think, wow, that took months. And you know, what what you're describing there, you know, from all the the tests and tools that can be fed into an AI. And, you know, a doctor is time limited. They can only deal with certain amounts of patients. They can only analyze so many cases um, on a day-by-day basis. And so there, there has to be a prioritization, but the AI could really, you know, as you're saying, speed that up quite dramatically. Exactly. And I mean, if we look at NHS wait times at the moment, they're only increasing. Paramedics are stressed because they can't get to patients. Mm. I'm not saying AI is the solution, but I think it could definitely help in assessing patients and making sure they receive the right treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, Because issues happen in medicine. Um, We know certain cases where people haven't received the right care and there may have been long term implications Mm. with AI as a system. At the moment, it's more of a backup to that doctor to say, look, this could be a problem. Yeah. And it does give that guidance to consultants and surgeons to say, OK, based on these inputs, the system has detected this is the problem and we can do these actions to potentially save this person's life. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, you know, you can commercialize that. You can put that into business consultancy, management consultancy. You could even use it with, you know, um, smart technologies. So, for instance, we know now that, for instance, you know, Internet of Things and um, the, the idea of software as a service and the product service boundaries collapsing in on each other, that manufactured machines need to be intelligent. So, for instance, the, the example I like the most is Rolls-Royce's jet engines, where not only do they now build the jet engine, but the jet engine communicates its service status to ground staff so that when the plane lands, it they know exactly, okay, what kind of servicing does this need? So imagine there was an AI behind that as well, really understanding the the the, the complexity of the engineering, what the sensors are telling it and reading it from so many different areas. You, you know, the, the potential just to solve safety concerns I think would be massive. So um, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I definitely agree. There's definitely so many implications that could happen for AI that we don't even know could it mm. it could apply to at the moment. Because it's still um, a nuisance technology, isn't it? It's still quite young, you know. So we're only really, you know, scratching the surface of what it could do. Exactly. I mean, if you think about ten years ago, no one knew or even cared about driverless cars. They didn't care yeah. about different technology that could have worldwide implications that are going to ultimately change how we live. Well, I mean, that's a great point, because I I was thinking recently about how, you know, if I if I have a driverless car and I'm not driving, the car is driving. What does that mean for car insurance? You know, so I'm like, (laughs) you know, you, you insure yourself as a driver fundamentally. And so, you know, if the car is piloting itself, then where does where's the liability? Where's the where does the insurance sit? And then exactly. again, AI could even help then to detect, well, this is actually this person is low risk on insurance because of factors X, Y, Z, which is better than a, you know, just an algorithm. Exactly. I mean, AI has implications there from actuary then to actually driverless cars to saving mm. people's lives. And I mean, mm. it's again about that branch where different stems of capabilities are going to stem from previous advancements in tech. Yeah, absolutely. 
Actually, with this in mind, let me go to my final question then, which is, uh, you know, what do you see as the future of this tech for entrepreneurs and businesses? And do you think there are, are there any major breakthroughs that you believe will will happen soon or we will see soon? Yeah. Um, so in terms of major breakthroughs, one thing I'm really passionate about is space technology. Mm-hmm. So I studied aerospace engineering at university, and it's because I kind of love everything to do with rockets, orbit, and eventually commercial space flight. Um, one major breakthrough I definitely personally believe will be in things like low Earth orbit and actual applications for space tech. Um, I think at the moment there's a massive problem with space debris in low Earth and how its orbit is affecting rockets from actually manoeuvring themselves. Mm. So artificial intelligence um, is currently detecting what rotations and what gravity um, objects are being affected by and how their orbit may affect different things from taking off. So I think looking forward to that sort of level of advancement is Mm. going to be applicable for artificial intelligence. Mm. Um, Actually, if I was to play play with that idea, the first thing that comes into my mind is airplanes in the air you know there's even talk of a car that will fly itself so you know with air traffic air traffic control is so subject to the human being i can imagine there being lots of applications in just maneuvering things safe safely i i can even see artificial intelligence affecting logistics you know the the planning of logistic routes and delivery routes like you know that could it's a similar kind of idea tracking objects in real time and being able to have the sheer power to process all that information. Exactly. And it's optimizing so many day-to-day activities that we just haven't even thought about could be more efficient. So if we look at shipping lanes, for example, um, and how ships transport cargo, artificial intelligence can actually, like you were saying, link back to logistics and say, these are the optimal routes based on what the weather is today. Mm. Or these are what the wave patterns are. If a boat travels X route, it will save Y amount of fuel. Um, And then linking back to sustainability and carbon emissions, Mm. it's trying to say what is that least or harmful way that logistics can happen. Mm. That's just such a fascinating idea. Anush, I cannot thank you enough for giving me your time and for being a guest. That was absolutely so fascinating to just talk about, you know, this new technology, what it can mean for entrepreneurs and businesses and some of the breakthroughs um, that have been made. It it really opens, it opens my eyes for sure for just the sheer scale of applications. Um, but also I think that, you know, my biggest takeaway, I, I would say from this conversation is, AI is really a big, big opportunity. I I don't see it as a threat per se, but instead I think of it as there are so many business opportunities around AI to do things differently that, you know, there's there's plenty of opportunities there for the entrepreneurially minded to to capitalize on. Absolutely. I mean, AI, in my opinion, will be running the world (laughs) soon. (laughs) we could get rid of some politicians (laughs) (laughs) maybe bring it into some policies that would be a good idea (laughs) you never know (laughs) thank you so much i wish you the very best of luck with your business ventures and i have no doubt you're going to become a very well-known name in the tech sphere with with i mean your achievements speak for themselves your knowledge is is incredible so 
thank you so much for being being my guest no i really appreciate that thank you so much for having me i mean it's been an amazing conversation with you and even likewise i've learned so much as well from you great no thank you so much take care and you thanks <laughs>